Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a, a good show, a happy show this time for you. Uh, last week, the Ducks had lost three in a row, and uh, you, you know, in the next uh, week, they win three in a row. So I, I don't know what's been going on, Eddie. They, they win three, lose three, win three. Uh, we hope that streak doesn't continue. We hope they just keep winning. But uh, as you know, the last three games, the Ducks played uh, you know, pretty well. They improved. Uh, you know, they beat Vancouver. They beat Detroit. They beat uh, New Jersey teams that we talked about that they needed to beat. Um, there's some team news that we're going to get to, some fan questions as well, some contest stuff and all that. So we'll, we'll get it all going here. We'll get caught up really quick here on these games. Um, you know, Eddie, the, uh, like we said, the Ducks had lost three in a row. Uh, then they were facing some non-playoff teams at home in uh, Vancouver and Detroit. And uh, you, you kind of like you know what you saw uh, in the game against uh, Vancouver. The Ducks won three uh, nothing. We saw Brandon Montour get some goals. He hadn't scored since November. You saw the fourth line get going. Uh, Jason Chimera got a goal and assist. And you know it wasn't the best performance by the Ducks, but you know they they got a win, of course, against the Vancouver team that's been having a down year. Yeah, and one of the things we talked about that was so important for the Ducks to figure out in the last stretch was uh, secondary scoring. And we started to see it in all three of these games. This is really the start of it all in this game against Vancouver, where obviously Montour is on the end of two of the goals. Chimera was involved in both, uh, the first two, and then the Richie Henrik and Cashaline picked up the uh, the assist on the power play goal by Brendan Montour. So a good all-around effort. Vancouver isn't a great team, but every team likes to play spoiler at this point in the season. The Ducks played a solid game defensively, didn't allow too many opportunities. John Gibson stopped all 32 shots that he faced, so another strong effort from him, and he's going to be key to the Ducks' success. The good news is that the Ducks don't have any back-to-backs until the last two games of the season, so realistically, we could see John Gibson for every game, which is obviously a huge boost to the Ducks and their chances of making the playoffs. But it was a good start to this homestand, and uh, you know, again, it was a game that they should have won, but they did it convincingly. It wasn't a, a struggling effort. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Ducks uh, converted on the power play in this game. They had six chances. They got one goal in there. Uh, the penalty kill was perfect. You know, two for two. And um, you know, one other little thing that came up too is uh, right before this game, we found out that Bieksa was injured. Uh, was going to have surgery on his hand. He was going to be out two to five weeks. So our, you know, free Marcus Peterson uh, pretty much worked. I mean, kind of indirectly. I mean, he ended up, uh, you know, obviously playing in this game and some of the other games as well. Um, Holzer was also recalled. He didn't play in this game. But, um, you know, like you said, good effort. And, uh, you know, the other thing that kind of came up, too, around this time, Eddie, is the whole uh, Vesna uh, discussion. So now, you know, Gibson's getting some... You know, recognition. I don't know if he's going to get it. Uh, we can either talk about it now or later. But, um, you know, another shutout definitely helps the cause. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely think we can we can throw it into the discussion today as well because, uh, I mean, at, at the time this is coming out, this is coming out right before the game against Calgary. So we have a, an interview on the post-game show today with Paul Campbell where we talked a lot and do- dove into analytics about John Gibson and his chances for the Vesna. So I think, you know, we should discuss it on this show and uh, at least give everybody an, an idea of what we've been talking about. Pretty much what, I guess it's been three 
podcast in a row where we've been talking about John Gibson, how well he's been playing, yep. and how he's not getting a lot of recognition for the Vesna because, I mean, all three of these games were strong games for him. The New Jersey one, the stats didn't really show it, but the Ducks did a really, really good job of just suffocating shot attempts for New Jersey. So I, I think he's definitely in the discussion. Uh, has to be at least in the top three, if not top five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you can't put him in there in that discussion, then you know I, I don't know what's going on in the league. But it, it's good to see that he's you know being mentioned in there. To see you know obviously the uh, Anaheim Ducks get you know some mention league wide too as well. So it's good, you know. And I agree. I mean, the way you you and uh, Patrick went into it in more depth on the uh, the post game show as we've talked about before, uh, Forever Mighty. Make sure you check that out. That show goes way more into each game individually. Obviously, Eddie and I on this show just kind of briefly go over it and we go over the team news and a lot more of the uh, um, the league stuff in general. So, yeah, we're hoping that that works out for him and we'll see what happens. And, you know, he carried his play again in these games. You know, the, the Ducks then played Detroit. You remember they lost to Detroit when they were <clears throat> playing them on the road. This time they ended up uh, beating them. Uh, and one thing that happened in this game, Eddie, that you and I talked about on last week's uh, the weekly show, this show, is the Ducks need more balanced scoring, and they got it in this game. They got goals from everybody. So uh, Richie scored, Grant scored, Perry scored, Kessler scored. So you had a goal from each line, and you also had fights all over the place in this game. You had it was like score a goal, getting a fight night. So you had Perry getting in a fight, Kessler getting in a fight, Richie getting in a fight. Uh, I thought this was really a big momentum win. I thought. This reminded me old school, the Ducks against Detroit back when Detroit was in the Western Conference and they used to really hate each other. And I, it seemed like some of this came out in the game. You could just kind of feel it, especially when I was there. But uh, I thought this was a big game for the Ducks, uh, you know, because they, they fought it out. And it seemed to me, Eddie, to kind of give them a little bit of a push and, you know, maybe a push that uh, is going to help them out, you know, in the final uh, couple weeks of the season. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the secondary scoring showing up. You've got Nick Ritchie and that line finally getting a goal, getting rewarded for their good play up to that point. You had Derek Grant, who for some reason early in the second period was uh, (laughs) taking Kessler's spot on the second line. He gets his 10th goal of the season. I don't think anybody expected him to have 10 goals and 22 points at this point in the season. Perry gets one, so the first line gets on the board. And then the actual second line gets on the board at the final goal where Kessler pots his seventh of the season. So you're getting essentially goals from every line. I guess you can count Grant's goal as a fourth-line goal, even though he was playing some time up on the second line. But a very good effort from the Ducks. And like you said, a surprisingly nasty physical game. And I think a lot of it has to stem from that Wachowski hit on Fowler. That's where everything really came from. It wasn't a dirty hit. Uh, but he crunched him pretty good, and Fowler ended up, uh, I don't know if he left to the locker room, but he would look, He got up pretty slow, went to the bench, looked in a, in a lot of pain, and the Ducks obviously weren't, weren't happy with that. I think it was Richie who fought with Kowski. That was the first yes. fight. Then you had Perry and Abdul Kader, which was uh, you would expect to be a heavyweight fight, and it really wasn't. Uh, nobody <laughs> really landing any punches. And then you had Kessler, uh, who got in a fight as well. But yeah, I mean, it was nasty. It was a fun game, an exciting game to watch. One you don't really expect to be that physical and that many fights. But uh, at least it was a good win. Because again, this was a game the Ducks should be winning against a team like Detroit. Uh, And I think it was a good, strong effort from them. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, after they had lost, you know, uh, playing them in Detroit, you know, this game, you were kind of like, okay, we, we had talked about this and we said, hey, this is another one that they got to win. Detroit's not going to be in the playoffs. You know, if we're going to make this push and uh, the Ducks were able to do it, I it was highly entertaining, as you talked about. I mean, being at this game, the crowd was going nuts. Obviously, you had all these fights going on. Um, I think you're right. The early hit on Fowler, that's kind of what started it. Um, and then Richie stepped up and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you, know, did, you know, stood up for uh, Fowler. And then, of course, Perry and Kessler in the middle of everything later in the game. Um, and it was just all kinds of stuff going on. I really liked the Kessler fight. That was pretty, that was pretty intense. I think, um, you know, he, he was pretty pissed off. And I was just like, please, Kessler, don't get hurt. Like, yeah. just, don't, just don't get hurt, dude. Like, we, we already know you're not 100%, you know, and you're, and you're going at it. So, um, like we said, it was definitely a highly entertaining game. I think the Ducks kind of improved this week. You know, I, I, I know they gave us some goals in this game, but I thought the, the performance overall was uh, much more energetic and obviously emotional in this one as opposed to the Vancouver one. The Vancouver one was kind of like, okay, they won. You know, Vancouver's not doing well, kind of blah, blah. But this game, obviously, there's a lot of flair to it, and, and the Ducks took care of business. And, you know, they set, them, set themselves up good on this, the rest of this homestand, Eddie, because you had the Devils coming in, too. The Devils are just like the Ducks. They're fighting it out. You know, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to be a wild card? Where are they at? And, you know, the Ducks ended up winning this one, too. Um, so, you know, they won all three. Uh, they got a great start in this one. Getzloff scored. Silverberg scored. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of a scare there. We thought uh, the Devils had scored right away, but the goal was offsides. Kind of a momentum swing there. So instead of them being up one nothing, the Ducks go up two nothing, um, and then a little bit back and forth throughout the rest of the game. But you know, Eddie, this this one was another good performance by the Ducks. Uh, yeah, they gave up a couple goals, but they also uh, you know won this one, doubling up the Devils four to two. Yeah, and you know, I feel pretty confident saying this is one of the most impressive wins the Ducks have had all season because this is a team in a similar position as Anaheim fighting to get into the final wild card spot or maybe squeak into that last spot in their division. And they're a team that's played pretty well as of late going into this game. I think they had beat Vegas. They had beat Nashville in a shootout. They had beat Winnipeg. So they were beating some pretty good teams and the ducks just dominated them through the entire game. They just got better and better from the, the moment the puck dropped until the, the final whistle. And, you know, we've seen the ducks, they, uh, they go up with a lead into the third period, and then they kind of just turtle a bit, and the other team caves them in, and they either either tie the game up and, and eventually win it, or the Ducks are able to just barely hold on. But this is just a strong performance for 60 minutes. And I know it's a cliche. We've heard it all season. The Ducks have to play <laughs> a 60-minute effort. But it really, it really was. I mean, they outshot them 36-17. to 17, And the, the two goals that were scored, you know, Palmieri on the power play, he was wide open. There wasn't much you could do to prevent that goal. And then for the Maroon one, you had Vatanen who who sent a, a very, very good pass across the ice to Maroon, who's in front, and he gets a tip in. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, with so many former Ducks on New Jersey, yes. you've got three of them, or four of them, sorry, being directly involved. That final goal was Maroon from Vatanen and Nason. So, <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Nor- uh, a couple of years ago, that would have been a, a goal for the Ducks because all three of them were playing together. But, yeah, it was great. I mean, you got Getzlaff who gets on the board early. You've got Silverberg with a very nice tip from Manson. Uh, that was the last impact Manson would have on the game as he would get hurt, but we'll go into that a bit later. Montour, continuing his strong play, gets on the board on the power play. And then Raquel gets his 31st of the season for the last goal. So just a great game. I mean, this is this is the game, if you had to peg it out of those three as being the most difficult, 
And for the Ducks to dominate and head into the road trip with a big win like this, I think it's huge for their confidence. I mean, it has to be, especially going into tonight's game against Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I talked about it you know, last week. We thought, okay, they could win at least two of these three games. You know, We said they, they had to beat Vancouver and Detroit. Those were like must-wins. And then we said that, uh, you know, that they could beat the Devils too. Um, so it worked out good. I mean, you know, it's, it's been weird. It's been flip-flopping lately. But they've won these three in a row, uh, you know, before going on this uh, four-game road trip. And, you know, the Ducks do still they, – they control their fate. I mean, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on in the scoring here and there. You've seen the Kings lose a game in regulation. They lose in overtime. Dallas has been slumping like crazy. And the Ducks are in a spot now. I mean, they've got this road trip coming up. Um, you know, they're going to play Calgary, uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Calgary and Winnipeg are the tougher of the two. And then uh, Edmonton and Vancouver. So, you know, there's four games that uh, are very winnable. And then, of course, the Ducks are going to have to play the people that they're fighting it out with. They're going to have to play L.A., Colorado, and Dallas. So, uh, the Ducks can still, you know, they're in a good spot. It's just a question of where they're going to win. We've got some fan questions about that, too, and we'll go into that in a little bit. Um, but uh, basically, uh, I would say the biggest news is really just the this team staying healthy, I guess, now, Eddie, is, which was kind of an issue way back when yeah. in the beginning of the season. Now it's kind of rare its ugly head because this game against uh, New Jersey, uh, Manson went out in the uh, first period upper body injury uh i never saw the actual play i don't know exactly what happened um he is on the road trip um you know on uh, this canadian road trip he, he may be available um you know as we talked about uh bxa being out for a little while they called up holzer they now called up walensky um i'm not sure who's going to be in tonight against calgary but uh, um a little unfortunate though Eddie is that you know the the Ducks control their fate right now, but now we've lost two defensemen right now. Yeah, I think the good thing, obviously, we know what's happened to BX. He's out two to five weeks. He had hand surgery. We know his timetable. We don't know Manson's timetable, which is a little bit worrying. But he is on the road trip with the Ducks. He's listed as day to day, which I think is a good thing. Of course, we don't know what the injury is, which is always a scary thing. You when you hear upper body injury, you always worry that it could be a concussion. Especially when we didn't really even see, you know, I still haven't found a play where right. I've seen that he got hurt. Um, it did almost like he he might have got hit, and it maybe been a shoulder. You know, I've heard people say shoulder. I've heard people say maybe he broke his nose. I've heard people say concussion. I don't think really anybody knows because we haven't heard any news. That's the only worrying thing about it. But again, I think if it was very serious, he wouldn't be on the road trip and he wouldn't be listed as day to day. So hopefully, we see him for one of the games. Like you said, probably not again uh, tonight against uh, Calgary. Maybe against Winnipeg. If not, then uh, I would hope he would be back uh, for Edmonton or Vancouver because we're going to need him against uh, the Kings on the last game of March because that's a, a huge game when you're looking at the playoffs right now. So, he, you know, the good thing is it doesn't look like it's long term. He should be back in the next few games, we hope, because, you know, it's not ideal to have Holzer or Walensky <laughs> top four for any extended period of time not to, to put any slack on them but you obviously want josh manson in the lineup because he's a, a big part of the duck success and why that defense has been so good lately yeah and we've talked about this i think on maybe the last show the, the one before that too is uh you know with manson uh you know you don't really have many other players like him on the blue line you know as far as stay home defenseman i mean you've got the exit too but he's out so i mean you know you've got all the puck moving 
uh, defenseman playing right now for the Ducks, you don't really have that big physical guy. So that's a little bit of a concern, you know, on this road trip, obviously. And like you said, you know, you got some big games coming up, you know, especially the Kings at the end of the month. And then, like we said, you, you know, you're going to play the other teams that you're fighting it out with Colorado and Dallas uh, in April, too. So he is day to day upper body injury. Uh, same thing, like you said, I, I didn't see exactly which play it was. I, I mean, he seemed fine. I, you know, I don't know exactly what it was. So, and of course, as you all know, it's upper body, lower body. It's close to the playoffs. <laughs> They're not going to say a whole lot. That's just kind of the way it is. So, um, you just kind of have to sit there and, and see what happens uh, on this road trip. Hopefully he gets back in there. Um, we'll talk about some of the games in a little bit. Uh, one other little move that did come up too, Eddie, that uh, you and I have been – we've been following this guy forever. Uh, you know, Kiefer uh, Sherwood, we, we, we've been following him forever. We knew that he, the Ducks <laughs> were going to pick him up. You know, the signing was <laughs> – no, just kidding, folks. Uh, yeah, just like all of you, we were like, what? What the heck happened here? Uh, so, so the Ducks uh, pick up this guy, uh, two-year entry-level contract. He's on an ATO with the Gulls. Uh, I know some people have questions about him. He's not going to be able to play with the Ducks this season or the uh, playoffs unless there's some kind of crazy emergency situation. But, um, Eddie, I know you looked into it a little bit because we were like, what? This is kind of out of left field. So um, what did you uncover about uh, Sherwood? Yeah, it, it wasn't easy because it's never easy to find any prospect profiles and a guy that goes undrafted. So I, I found a couple things. Mostly, I mean, everybody would probably know this from, from looking at what the Ducks had put out and, and what we've seen on Reddit and, and on Twitter. But... Uh, he signed a two a two year entry level contract with the Ducks. Uh, he's on an ATO with the Gulls this season, going into the playoffs. So most likely we won't see him in Anaheim. But he just finished his college career in the NCAA with Miami. Uh, a little bit under a point per game. He had eighty six points in one hundred and six career games in the NCAA. He's twenty two, so it's not necessarily a younger guy, but uh, he can still make an impact with the Gulls, and hopefully eventually we can see him in Anaheim. But it, it's always nice. To see a guy who was heavily pursued pick the Ducks. I mean, we were linked with him last year. He was also linked with uh, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Montreal, Boston. Uh, a good amount of teams, good teams as well, were linked with him. And the fact that he chose Anaheim is always a, a nice thing. I don't necessarily know what kind of impact he could make with the Ducks if he will even ever make the team. It, it's very difficult to judge these guys coming out of college and, and how successful they could be. I mean, we've seen highly touted prospects. Uh, the mo most recent one that comes to, to memory for me is Jimmy Vesey who uh, did, decided not to sign with Nashville and ended up signing with the Rangers, and people thought he was going to be a top-line winger, and he hasn't necessarily been that great. He's more of a third-line winger for the Rangers. So, you know, Kiefer Sherwood could come out and, and be a top-six forward for the Ducks. Obviously, that would be ideal. I doubt it happens. Uh, if he makes the team at all, I think that would be a, a successful uh, signing for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, at least in the limited information we've seen, I think he's more of you know a situation where he's going to be uh, in the AHL playing in San Diego. So, yeah. um, you know, we just haven't seen a lot on him, and and you're probably going to see some more on him, you know, especially uh, next season. So the Ducks did make that little uh, minor move, and um, with that, we're going to go into a few other things. But really quick, uh, we do have our contest still going. The um, the Ducks are going to play the Avalanche on April Fool's Day, and it's not a joke. We are giving away two tickets to that. Uh, if you listen to the last two shows, we mentioned a keyword in each of those shows, and the keyword in this show is let's. Uh, so it's L-E-T-S, let's. So if you've listened to the other two, li listen to this show, uh, you put the three words together, they make a phrase. 
uh, email it to us at info at ducksandpucks.com. Again, that's info at ducksandpucks.com. We'll put it out there uh, multiple times, and uh, you have about a week to do that, um, and then we'll announce the winner. So someone randomly will get picked, and you'll get two tickets, uh, almost center ice, aisle seats, uh, very, very good seats. Uh, so when the Ducks play the Avalanche. So look for that. And like I said, we'll put out some reminders. So, so don't worry if you missed it uh, or you can listen to the other couple shows. We talked about it as well. So um, with that, I guess we can really you know, move into the fan questions. Uh, Eddie, some good questions uh, this week uh, about really the Ducks and the playoffs and, and different things going on. Um, one of them they talked about is, and I guess it's kind of interesting, and we can really kind of hit on this one, Eddie, especially with what's going on right now where the Ducks do control their own destiny. Um is, you know, uh, Brandon th- asks, you know, should the Ducks miss the playoffs and go out quietly or should they make the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round? <laughs> and I mean, it's 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 a it's a great question because um, you can't predict the future, <laughs> obviously, as you and I we were talking about this question before the show. And it's a tough one. I mean, if you're going to go in in the first round and get eliminated, say the Ducks make the second wild card, which you and I said is the probably the worst scenario for the Ducks because they're going to go play Nashville. And I'm sorry, but that's going to be a very, very tough series that they're going to play Nashville. Um, if it's going to be that kind of situation, I would say yes. Uh, I'd rather than miss the playoffs and try and get a higher draft pick. Now, if they end up in second or third in the Pacific, then no, I'd rather them try and fight it out. I think that they can actually make it a little bit farther then. So that's kind of my take, Eddie. Uh, you know, what what do you think? You know, I, I think, and what I've always believed with this team, and I think a lot of people do, is if they get in, I feel like they have a chance of beating anybody. You know, you know, Nashville is probably the hardest team to beat out of any team getting into the playoffs. But, you know, anything can happen in a seven-game series. So yep. the only way I would say I'd rather the Ducks miss the playoffs, if you knew – if I knew they were going to lose in the first round, if, <laughs> right. I, if I could look in the future and I and I knew 100% they were going to lose in the first round, then yeah, I would rather them miss the playoffs and have a chance at, at a higher draft pick and be put into the draft lottery. Of course, it would be a, you'd have a small chance, but there's always a chance you could move up and get a higher pick. So if you knew for sure you were going to get eliminated in the first round, then yeah, I would rather them miss the playoffs. But... As good as Nashville is, and, and I mean, they're going to add Eli Tolvin, and so they're going to get even better. Um, you know, it's, it's, it'd be a tough matchup, but I, I would still want them to get in and have a chance at least of beating Nashville. Uh, it, it's not going to be easy. It, you know, getting in and even getting in that third spot and playing San Jose is not going to be easier. Getting into the first wild card spot and playing Vegas isn't going to be easy. None of the matchups in the playoffs are easy. All those two teams deserve to be there. But I think the Ducks and the way they're built and, and how well they've played since they've got everybody back healthy, I think they have a chance to beat almost anyone, even teams like Nashville and, and Vegas. It, it, like I said, they'd be tough, but I feel like the Ducks are built for that type of hockey. Yeah, and that's why they always say, you know, just win and get in. I mean, any, anything, like you said, can happen in a seven-game series. Obviously, I you know, to me, Nashville out of all the teams is the one I'm, I'm most concerned about, uh, obviously, with the way they've been playing. But... Like you said, even if they get in the, in the number two or three spot in the Pacific, they may end up playing L.A. or San Jose in the first round. So, I mean, none of these opponents are going to be easy. But, of course, you'd rather make the playoffs and see the excitement. I mean, a seven-game series against Nashville would be exciting. One against either L.A. or San Jose, of course, would be exciting. Even Vegas. I mean, they'd all be exciting. So, you'd like to see them get in there and do it. Like you said, if you, if you knew that they were going to lose and get bombed out right away, then sure. But part of the thing, too, Eddie is there's a couple weeks to go. You don't know about injuries. 
Um, we've also seen it in the playoffs. Things happen. People get hurt, too. So, I mean, anything can happen. So, of course, we'd rather them make it. Um, unless, like you said, we had a crystal ball and we knew what yeah. was going to happen. So, um, yeah, that's what we think. We'd like to see them make it. So, uh, another uh, good question that we had is about the lineup. You and I kind of talked about this, too, when the Ducks were losing, how to kind of get things going. Uh, Joshua asks, you know, should we flop around the second and third lines a little bit? Uh, should Kase and Henrique go with Silverberg and and then, you know, uh, flop Richie over with uh, Kessler and Cargiano and see what you think about that. I think you and I kind of touched about on that on uh, the last show, especially when everything was going south. Um, I, I don't really know if it's going to work or not. I mean, they're keeping the lines the way that they were, which you and I thought Carlisle was going to do. Um, obviously, Grant came up for Kessler, like you mentioned in the last game, because we know Kessler's not 100%. But... Uh, I think if you're winning, I kind of leave it alone now, Eddie. I mean, obviously back then when we had the three-game losing streak, we definitely were like, oh, maybe we should change up a little bit. But since it's been working, I, I kind of say stick with what, what's going right now unless unless they start tanking again in a couple of games, which obviously we hope they don't because every game is crucial right now. Yeah, I, I mean, we saw a slump, and that's why we were kind of getting on those two lines. And, and we got a lot of questions about what would we do if they didn't get things going. And, and now with these three games, I mean, Kessler, Silverberg, Cogliano have been good in all three games. They were very good against New Jersey, as was pretty much every line for the Ducks. Henry, Kasha, and Richie, despite not getting on the score sheet a ton, in pretty much all three games were just dominant. They were controlling pace of play at five on five on five. They were controlling shot attempts in the New Jersey game. All three of them were above ninety percent Corsi four percentage. So they were just just dominating. They they were playing against some good lines for against New Jersey as well. They were, I believe they were playing against Patty Maroon's line. So I mean, it looks like things are trending in the in the right direction. They're they're getting points on the board. Kessler obviously scored. We had Richie score as well. Uh, Henry can, and uh, sorry, Kasha and Richie getting involved on the power play with Montour in in one of the games as well. So things are starting to go in the right direction. I think keeping them together for now is still the best move. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that switch up. Maybe in the playoffs, if things are going bad, where, where you, then you usually tend to see more drastic changes made. Uh, if you're down two nothing in a series, you try and switch things up. But um, uh, for right now, I would just continue to to build that consistency, build that chemistry, and, and hope that things continue to work out. Because you know they've they've had a, a three game stretch now where things have looked good, and I think now going on the road for four games is going to be a real test. You've got some tough opponents in Calgary and Winnipeg, uh, where you can really see how these lines stand up against some some elite teams. So it'll be interesting to see how they do because uh, if they can all continue to play consistently, this Ducks team is going to be a difficult team to match up with. We've said that every time that all three lines are rolling, that you know when that Getzoff line is, is playing as they are, and then you've also got the threat of Kessler and, and Henrique's lines just firing on all cylinders. You know, At, at some point, you're going to get a favorable matchup if you're the Ducks, uh, and that line's going to score. So it'll be interesting to see how well they do continuing forward. Yeah, I think the same. I, I, they should keep the lines as is, unless the situation comes up, as you mentioned, like say the Ducks get down two nothing, three nothing, maybe going into the third period of a game. Uh, you know, you need to switch it up to try to generate some offense. You know, so an in-game change, yes, I, I think you know something like that could work out. But otherwise, I mean, like you said, they, they've been doing so much better now. They've won three in a row. They're getting balanced scoring. They're playing, you know, pretty good defense. The uh, special teams is picking up. Obviously, we touched on on Gibson, uh, so I 
I like what's going on right now. Leave it unless, you know, something drastic happens in a game that causes, you know, uh, a need for a switch. Another line that we didn't talk about as much, but Lauren asks, talks about is really the fourth line. And she asks about uh, Chimera and what do we think about the trade? It's, you know, it's early, but do we think it was the right move? Um, obviously, you know, he got a goal and assist uh, in these last couple games. He's only, you know, played eight games with the Ducks. Um, I I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on this one. I mean, obviously, uh, if you've been watching the games, he, he is actually pretty fast, which we kind of knew going into it. So the people that made the old old guys jokes, you know, they're kind of like, oh, well, he yeah, does have some wheels, you know. But um, I just think it's too early. I mean, I do like what I'm seeing on that fourth line. Uh, and I, I like the way he's been you know, playing. I like what I've seen from Kelly, too. Obviously, they're only playing seven to eight minutes you and i touched on this before it's kind of hard it's a small sample size but i'm not really disappointed um and what i've seen obviously you know everyone knows wagner was one of my favorites and i i wasn't really happy with that trade when it happened but um as far as what i've seen in the last couple weeks i like what i'm seeing i think the fourth line is coming in uh you know obviously getting some scoring going these last couple games helped out as well so i'm not too disappointed um, I, I I don't know if it was necessarily the right move, but so far it hasn't been the wrong move. Yeah, and I think we kind of agreed at the time that it was just a lateral move. You were getting a player in return for a player that they're very similar. I mean, Wagner and Chimera are going to bring arguably the same thing to your lineup. I still did like Wagner and his energy a little bit more. He was leading yep. the Ducks in hits. I felt like he had a valuable role on that uh, that fourth line and he had 15 points in 64 games when he was traded so he was he was doing some things right for the ducks yep but i can't complain with what chimera's done i mean his points both came in that one game where he had a goal and an assist other than that he's held been held pointless in other games but i don't expect too much when he plays under you know he plays about eight nine minutes a night with uh with kelly and uh, if it's usually grant on that fourth line so it hasn't been bad. I feel bad a little bit for Chris Wagner, who isn't having a great time in, with the Islanders. The Islanders have only won <laughs> two of their last 13 games. Wagner has been held pointless in the seven games that he's played. He's a minus three, so things haven't really gone that well for him, unfortunately. But with the way the fourth line is currently constituted, I like Derek Grant being on that fourth line. I think he's a guy the Ducks look to re-sign and bring back as their fourth line center next year. Definitely doesn't look like Antoine Vermette's going to come back. I don't even really remember the last time he played a game for the Ducks <laughs> where he hasn't been scratched. Uh, the yeah. only interesting thing for me is is I would really like to see uh, a Grant, Chimera, and uh, JT Brown on the fourth yeah, line. Yeah, there you go. Um, but we haven't really seen JT Brown. Chris Kelly's been the guy that's really been in the lineup, unfortunately, because I, I would love to see JT Brown play. I think he brings a little bit more energy, kind of a similar style to what Wagner brought on that fourth line, just a little bit of a spark more than what Chris Kelly can bring. And that's not uh, harping on Chris Kelly because he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. Again, neither nobody on that fourth line really other than Grant has been exciting. But I think uh, putting JT Brown just brings a little bit more offensive flair and it gives that fourth line a little bit of a threat uh, that they don't really have right now. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the last show too when things were going, you know, a little bit south. We said that Brown would be, you know, one to see a little bit more on the ice and I agree with you. It's uh, you know, been a little disappointed. I'd like to see him play a little bit more on that fourth line. So <clears throat> we haven't as far, you know, these last three games, but the Ducks are winning. So, you know, Carlisle's going to go with what he's going with. Yeah. So um you kind of focus on these games coming up, and that's kind of the, uh, one of our other fan questions that Jared asks. You know, he talks about the Ducks going down the stretch. What do they need to do? 
um, you know, to end up in the top three in the Pacific or maybe possibly get into the, you know, the second place. And then, you know, then you'd be able to have home ice at least for round one. Yeah. Uh, I think we've kind of touched on a lot in this show. Uh, what's been going on with the Ducks. We talked about the balanced scoring. Uh, we talked about the defensive pairings before I know in the other show. Obviously, that's a little bit questionable now because Manson and BX are both out. So they're kind of having to fix that up. We know BX has gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, Manson, we're not sure. At least one game, maybe two. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is, Eddie, is what we talked about. We talked about the 60-minute game. I know, same old thing. But we talked about that. We talked about getting timely scoring from everybody. Um, and obviously Gibson doing his job and the goaltending and special teams. And and really, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, the Ducks, have, have after those three games of, of losing and things all kind of getting um, discombobulated in those in those three games, they've turned it around. They've gotten everything. They're really firing on all cylinders. And I think, you know, the biggest test is going to be playing those teams that are in, the, in you know, the hunt. So you got to beat Calgary, uh, obviously, in this first game on the road trip. They knock them out. They 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 probably send them farther down out of the playoff picture. Uh, they they might not even make it if the Ducks, uh, especially if they beat them in this game. And then of course uh, L.A., Colorado, some big games. I mean, uh, those are two teams that they may both make the playoffs too. Um, you know, and and then you've got Dallas who's kind of fallen on the wayside too. So the biggest thing really is the Ducks need to keep playing the way that they are, and they need to beat these um, opponents in the Pacific and the Central Division in regulation, Eddie. Get the two points, Don't no overtime, really, in, in the rest of these games. And if the Ducks can keep doing what they're doing, there's a good chance they end up in second or third in the Pacific. Yeah, and if I'm going to give a BX a kind of blunt answer, I mean, they just, <laughs> they just have to win games. I mean, that's as simple as it is. They just have yep. to win games. I yep. mean, they win tonight. They hold their own destiny for that third Pacific Division spot. And now, if, I mean... I don't think we, they're going to win out and win the last nine games of the season. Right. But with a win tonight, uh, one point doesn't cut it. One point would leave them in the final wild card spot. But uh, the the win against Calgary puts you one point against LA with the same amount of games played. Then you also do play LA on the last game of March. So win those important games. You had already mentioned that beat Calgary, beat LA. Beat Colorado, beat Dallas, and you're in. I mean, you beat if you beat if you. I, I would assume now. I, again, there's more than just those four games, but if you win those four games, you've put yourself in a very good position to get in. Even if you were to lose against Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona, even if you were to lose those other four games, you still put yourself in a very good position. And then it, it all depends on how LA and the other teams do in their other games. But you've picked up points in in four essentially four point games. You've picked it up on them. So the Ducks beat Calgary tonight. Let's say that puts Calgary eight points out of a, a playoff spot. Really buries them down there. It's going to be difficult for them to get in um, if they don't win tonight. This is a, a huge must win game. For, win sorry, a huge must win game for them as it is for the Ducks. And then you've got these three games. Although they're not really games that really affect the Ducks' positioning in the standings against Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Their game, two of those games are must-wins. The game against Winnipeg is a very difficult game, but as we saw with LA again last night, you know it, they're all going to be tough games. They're all going to be tight games, and and if you can pull a point out of that Winnipeg game like LA did, that's huge in the standings at this point. And I think the Ducks really have to look at it as in these tough games, if they can hold on and get at least a point against some of these teams like Winnipeg, uh, other teams that you're not fighting with in the standings, that's huge. 
Uh, even if you give up the other point, you're still picking up one. You're still at least getting something out of that game and, and giving yourself some leverage in the standings. So continue playing like they are now. Win the important games. And just continue building this consistency out of the top nine. And I think they have a good chance of getting in. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing to consider is, you know, the first tiebreakers, the row, the uh, regulation or overtime wins, which the the Ducks, you know, they're pretty much not going to really catch uh, the other teams. It's kind of hard because you've got L.A. that's got 38. San Jose's got 37. Uh, Colorado's got 39. So, you know, all those teams have got way more. The Ducks only have 33. So, you know, basically, as we talked about, the Ducks, when they play L.A., Colorado, Dallas, they need to beat those teams. Dallas only has one more in the in the row, but the Ducks have more points. So, um, you know, they're in a good spot there. But um, it, it's huge. The Ducks need to win these games against those teams in regulation. And then, like Eddie mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of these games, Edmonton, Vancouver, they need to get the two points, whether it's in regulation or not. Uh, and then obviously, uh, you know, Winnipeg, if you're able to pick up at least one in that game, then you're in a good spot. So, you know, the, the Ducks have turned it back around. They, they've gotten control again. Uh, they're in a really good spot, thankfully. You know, <laughs> last week's show, we were kind of like doom, not doom and gloom, but we were like, dude, they need to win all these games. And then they, what do they do? They win all these games. So hopefully they listen to us again and they, they start winning these games too. I think on this road trip, you know, uh, I would like to see them at least win three of these, Eddie. I'd like to see them beat Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Obviously, Winnipeg, as you mentioned, is the most difficult game. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, and then, you know, we'll be back uh, probably after this road trip. It'll probably be the best time to do it because we kind of, you know, try to do the weekly show depending on how the schedule goes. So that's probably when we'll be back. Um, one other little thing that did come up that we um, we mentioned on the last show we didn't really talk about, Eddie, was – the um, Ducks are trying to go to the, uh, or at least try to host the uh, NHL All-Star Game, which is something good. I mean, we've seen all the improvements at Honda Center, but the Ducks never really tried to do it before, and, and now they're actually going to try it, Eddie. And I'm kind of excited, you know, because I live literally down the street. So um, I, I'm glad to see them try, you know, and, and push for that, especially with all the improvements that they've done over the last couple seasons. And as we learned from Murray that they're, you know, they're redoing the chairs in the next couple of um, years, too. So, uh, what do you think about you know that and the possibility because the Ducks have never had it? Yeah, I think it would be exciting. I mean, the All Star Game has kind of been uh, maybe not the greatest thing in the last few years. It, it's kind of just drawn out in popularity. A lot of people aren't happy with the changes that they've made, but it, it's still an exciting event for any team to host. Tampa Bay was the, the host this year. I think it's San Jose next year that's the host, so it is coming down to California. Uh, next year and then the draft is going to be in Vancouver for the for next year so so a couple of the Pacific Division teams getting in on the draft in the All-Star game and it would be exciting for Anaheim to get one I, I think for a lot of people uh, it'd be something I would be looking into going to because I think that would be a, an exciting event the Ducks would obviously get a couple more guys going than we're used to because usually the host team gets a little bit uh, of a favorable advantage when it comes to the voting and, and the players they get going so it would be fun, and I think the draft would be another fun one. I mean, it all depends Definitely. where the Ducks are drafting. If they had a high draft pick and you had the draft hosted in Anaheim, I think that would be even more exciting. I think that could be another reason why the draft is in Vancouver next year because Vancouver isn't isn't that great this year, probably going to be worse next year. So you're looking at a top-five pick in your home city, which is always a fun thing to have. Uh, it helps kind of ease the pain of, of a difficult season when you can go out and get uh, have a chance of getting a top player. So 
Um, something we could see down the road. It it looks like as um, they had an Eric Stevens article that the, it's constantly coming up in their conversations. It's something they're continually talking about. They've talked to the NHL about just not just the draft but the All Star game as well. So I mean, realistically, you know, the Ducks, like you said, are one of the teams who hasn't had one. They haven't had a draft. They haven't had an All Star game. So they look like one of those teams that would be on the the list to get one within the next three to five years. So uh, realistically, I think they could, you could see probably one, if not both, in that time span. Yeah, I think it would be exciting. I mean, it's long overdue, you know, since the Ducks have been, you know, in Anaheim since 93, obviously, and uh, they haven't really tried to do it. But, you know, all the improvements they've done at the stadium, like we talked about, the, the screen there is um, awesome, uh, a lot bigger if you hadn't been there or you remember the old one. Uh, they have all the banners uh, up hanging around the different floors. They added the shock top terrace. They even built out the the main entrance now. Before I used to walk in, and the doors were farther back, uh, you know, inside the building. And now they moved that out, and they built a whole nice thing for uh, Fox Sports West when they do the uh, uh, pregame, postgame, and you know, in between the periods and all that stuff as well. So. Uh, it's a good thing, you know, and I'm pretty excited, and, and I'm hoping that, like you said, both the events come uh, to Anaheim in the near future. Uh, you know, the other thing that uh, came up, too, is uh, some of the uh, our favorite rules, Eddie, uh, in the NHL. They talked about goalie interference. They um, had, you know, the GM had their meeting on that. Uh, they also talked about the offsides rule, and... I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really. I don't know. It's just kind of irritating just seeing how they're talking about this. But they're saying that they're not really going to alter the offsides rule, which you and I have talked about at length at different games that we didn't like. The whole thing with the one skate up, the one skate down. Um, you know, uh, the challenges and and the timeouts involved and all that. And then now they also have goalie interference. And they're talking about that going to the situation room. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about. It. I mean, it's kind of early, but what, what do you think? The you know the league is uh, trying to address the well, at least one of the two. Um, but I think they really should address both. Yeah, I, I didn't expect many changes to be made uh, at the gym meetings, really, because I felt like they were rather happy with how the offside rules have gone. Nobody really cares, and it's it sucks to say this, but nobody really cares what the fans think about the offside rule, really. <laughs> Uh, if they think it's working, then they're going to keep it the way it's yep. going. Um, you know, not many people believe that the foot off the line. I mean, people are split, really, from what I've seen. Um, yeah. If believe the foot is off the ice, then it should be offside. I believe it shouldn't because they haven't crossed the plane. Right. That's more of a fan discussion. I feel like I don't think the NHL really cares. I think they're happy with how things have gone this season. You don't see that effect played that often. So, again, it's not really a headlining issue for them. I think their main focus is probably on goaltender interference because that's what's drawn a lot of the headlines and a lot of the the anger from not just fans but from players as well. And I think that gets, helps get it a lot more attention when you've got players. I mean, Cam Talbot was a guy who was really vocal about it, uh, how mm-hmm. he has no idea what is considered goaltender interference anymore. And I think a lot of people are on the same page. I hope they make some changes. I'm not too optimistic that anything big gets changed they, they don't really do a lot of big things they like to test some small things out to see if they make a difference so we'll probably see a small thing like you said going to the situation room or something that uh, doesn't make a, a huge drastic impact on the decision and it's something they just continue to tweak year after year so unfortunately i don't think we'll see a huge difference next year it's probably going to continue to be an issue in the nhl for the next three to five years because I really just don't see it being on the forefront of the nhl's worries which is unfortunate but I don't know. We can be optimistic, but uh, I don't see too much happening. 
You know, it'd be kind of interesting, my kind of solution to this thing, and I don't know if people would like it, but you remember before, uh, if a player was in the, uh, the the blue paint, that they pretty much would take away a goal. So, my th- and I'm not saying that they do it that way, but my thing is, is you could say, hey, any contact within the blue paint by the player is goal interference, period. I mean, I, I know it's it's it, it, now, now it's an absolute... And now you're saying, well, wait a second, people are standing there and I, you know, you know, Barry bumped him, whatever. But I'm just saying, if you really want to eliminate it, you want to put a kibosh on all that, you just say, hey, listen, as soon as a player goes in the blue area, if they touch the goal in the blue area, it's interference. Now, yeah. they're not saying that that's popular because now there's going to be situations where the player is going to be there and maybe tapping and, and the puck and maybe his skate barely clips the goalie skate and, and the, by the rule, it's automatic and it's out. But I'm just saying that maybe you don't necessarily you know put that as is the 100 percent the rule but maybe you take that and kind of base it something along those lines in order to decrease the number of goalie interference situations in general mm-hmm. but you know it's just something i'm throwing out there i know it's the old rule and a lot of people didn't like it uh you know we remember the stanley cup when when a certain brett hall scored his foot was in the in the blue paint and the goal was allowed even though the rule at the time didn't allow it so there was all that so i as far as scoring goes, I, I don't I don't like it. But in terms yeah. of goalie interference, it might be something to consider that, hey, if there's contact made, you know, within the blue paint, then, you know, it's automatic goalie interference. And, you know, and if you do that, uh, maybe it takes down these number of situations. You don't, you know, I, I just hate going to the situation room. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, it's kind of similar to what they do in the IHF in international hockey where they have the crease violation where if you're right, standing right. in the crease for – I don't know the time. I think it's three seconds, maybe five seconds. But if you're in the crease for too long, they just pull the plate in. And yeah, exactly. Then, so, I mean, it's it's something they wouldn't implement right away. And no. most of the time we see it get tested in either junior hockey or in the AHL before it makes its way. I mean, three-on-three overtime was something that got tested in junior, then got tested in the AHL, and then made its way to the NHL. So it would be something like that. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, the NHL never wants to make things that slow down. Uh, the length of their games, of course, that would be an issue because, I, I mean, imagine how many times that's going to get called, just players getting used to it right off the bat. That first season of having a crease violation in the NHL would just be, I think, would annoy a lot of people at first with how many stoppages we'd have because of it. Right. But I feel like it's something that could really eliminate uh, a lot of the goalie interference calls we get because a lot of them are because a player is parked too close in front of the net backs yep. into the goalie, gets pushed into the goalie, whatever, uh, and it comes into a goal. And not a lot of them anymore do you get where a guy's kind of flying through the crease and takes out the goalie and then the puck goes in. Most of them are because a guy's parked in front and he's either standing in the crease or just outside. So I think implementing a crease violation makes some players think twice. And then if they are too close, the, the ref just blows the whistle, blows the play dead, and then we have the faceoff and, and you don't see it that often. So I think that's something they could always just maybe test out in the AHL and see if it would work. And that's what I'm going with. It's something like that. Like you said, either either the 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 way that they enter in the blue paint and make the contact, or like you said, there's a, a you know three second rule or something like that. And I think it would alleviate a lot of this because it's just you know like you said, Talbot going off and some of the other goalies, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, yeah. things are happening, and there and there's there's zero clarity to what's going on because sometimes a goalie gets bumped, the goal goes in. Oh, it's good. And then you see a similar play the next night with different teams, and oh no, that's goalie interference. And it's and I don't know, I, and I don't like the whole thing where sometimes it's goalie interference and the goal doesn't count, but then there's other times where it's a penalty. I just, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like how the the way that that rule has been administered and 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 all that. So, you know, hopefully maybe they'll look at it. But like you said, they don't care about the fans. It's, you know, it's whether or not it works. They're not gonna listen to any of us. So, but it's just some ideas that we're throwing out there. Uh, it's kind of interesting since that discussion is heated up this past week. And another discussion that is heated up is John Gibson. Um, as we said, we'll have the weekly show after this road trip coming up. But if you haven't been following along, Eddie and uh, Patrick from the Puck Guys, they've been doing the uh, Forever Mighty postgame show uh, after every single game. They've been doing it live. Uh, we're posting the links in the, um, the game uh, recap so you can catch up on those. They're also on social media and everything. And this show that's coming up, it's going to be a real good one uh, after this Calgary game. You don't want to miss it, right, Eddie? You've got a guest on there, and you're going to be talking about Gibson and uh, you know the Vesna and all that stuff. Yeah, so we've got um, first guest for the post game show. So we've got Paul Campbell on from Ingoal Media. Uh, we had him in a discussion yesterday because, of course, um, the post game show is a little late for anybody. On the East Coast. <laughs> uh, it's late for me, so it'd be late for him. Uh, so we had him on yesterday, and then we're going to have the the audio of that interview in tonight's post game show. But we really just dove in to John Gibson and his case for the Vesna, heavy on analytics, but we do talk a lot about uh, some other stuff as well. Uh, but it was great. It was great to hear. He he was really a proponent that Gibson should be in the discussion. Maybe not the necessary the, the leading favorite right now because of how well Rene has played. But he feels like uh, he's getting uh, a little bit of the shaft uh, in in terms of recognition <laughs> for the Vesna. I think a lot of people uh, agree with that, especially Ducks fans. You and me have talked about it on this show before. Uh, we've talked about it just in, in, in talking and, and chatting outside the show as well and how he's not getting a lot of recognition and how well he's been playing lately. So... You know, we dive in, we look at his save percentage and, and how he's sitting in, the, in top three in goalies who played over 40 games. Uh, some of his analytics are, are second, if not first. So he's in front of Rene in some stats, which is just insane. But it's a, it's a great discussion. So if, if you guys really want to hear a lot about Gibson and the Vesna and pretty much all the Gibson slash Vesna talk you can handle, <laughs> it'll be out tonight after the Calgary game. The link will be out on uh, the Ducks and Pucks Twitter and the Forever Mighty Twitter, so you can go to either one and, and uh, come talk about the Gibson and the Vesna there. So it'll be on Spreaker. If you want to go set an account, join the live chat, do that, or just uh, just come by and listen. It's, it's a great interview. Yeah, we've also changed up the uh, the game recaps a little bit now. Uh, if you remember when you go look at them, you'll see the uh, the headline photo, uh, usually there is the written, you know, recap of just the goals and the fights or whatnot, and some of the videos intermittently in there. Uh, what we're doing now is we're going to have those condensed NHL videos at the front, so you can watch that if you want. There'll be the little bit of the narrative, uh, also with some of the analysis in the middle, and then at the very, very end will be the link to the Forever Mighty show as well. So just changing it up a little bit, going more of the video and the audio. Um, obviously you see the headline photo when it's posted on social media, there's no point seeing it again when you click on the article basically. So we're just kind of trying to change that up a little bit. So look for the recaps. Um, like we said, they have written analysis, they have the audio analysis, and then of course the video highlights that the NHL puts out on YouTube, which we put the link in there as well. And then of course, you know how much I love fights. So if there's a fight, <laughs> especially like this one against, uh, um, uh, Detroit, we had all those fights in there. I was trying to space it out throughout the article. I was like, oh, my God, people are going to be sitting here going, you know, what is this, a fight video recap? I mean, there's so much. So I was trying to space it out in there for everybody. But um, like we said, that's how the recaps will be. So uh, after every game, follow the Forever Mighty. They're uh, Forever Mighty FM on Twitter. 
Uh, like we said, the links will be all out there as well. And then Eddie and I will be back with this weekly show after the Ducks' successful road trip, where we hope that they win at least three of these games. And uh, we'll be back in a week. So let's go, Ducks. Ducks.